following aviation podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast by thepilotreport.com about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 22, Sun and Fun Domination, Ignoring Air Traffic Control, Flying with Pets, and more coming up now on this edition of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now, here are your co-hosts, Victoria Newville, Rick Felty, Carl Valeri, and Len Costa. Welcome, everybody, to episode 22 of the Stuck Mike I have. We have to keep that in. It's no easy editing. For, easy for you to say. No wow. editing. <laughs> All right. Yeah, welcome. let's keep it in. Welcome to, uh, <laughs> welcome to the Stuck Mike Avcast episode number 22. I am your, your host, Len Cost, and joining me on the show tonight, as always, are the usual group of aviation elitists. Hey. <laughs> Starting first with Carl Valeri. Carl, how's it going, brother? Oh, it's wonderful here in uh, chilly Omaha, Nebraska. Chilly? What's going on? Mm. What do you mean? Is it snowing there? No, it's not snowing. It's snowing up north, though. But yeah, it's, it's actually, it's, uh, well, anything right now below, say, 80 some odd degrees is chilly because we've been playing it fun and fun for the oh, past week or so. Lucky. I got a nice suntan. I'm looking pretty hot. Anyway, just saying. <laughs> Mm. Mm. <laughs> oh, shoot. Uh, Victoria joining us from the hills of Maryland. How is it going? Oh, good. I regret my position that I'm recording tonight because let's just say a certain cat did a certain something and <laughs> nearby. And I almost couldn't breathe. Wow. Del- delicious. Well, our show's full <laughs> all kinds of exciting things tonight. <laughs> uh. yeah, Rick Felty from... Yes, uh, from Boston, my friend, what's going on? Present. Well, there, I've closed the door, so I cannot smell the cat. So I'm, <laughs> I'm in good shape that way. Hey, we're ready to go. <laughs> Excellent. Good. And I'm, uh, I, again, I'm your host, Len Costa, and we're recording. Uh, we're recording from the new temporary Stuck Mike Avcast headquarters here from my hotel room in Greenville, Spartanburg, South Carolina. Let's do the pre-flight. So uh, we had a couple of announcements that we wanted to share before the show, as we always do this evening. Um, the first is, uh, you know, as you guys have probably been aware by some of the blog posts and social media posts, uh, um, Rick, excuse me, Carl and I were uh, at Sun and Fun recently volunteering down there. And so we, Carl, tell us how many episodes between, well, I was only there for a couple of days, so you got a lot more than I did. But how many episodes, how many audios uh, between the two of us did we get recorded? We did, amazingly enough, 46 interviews. Wow. 46 in those uh, days that we were there at Sun and Fun. And that was only working eight hours a day. I mean, imagine okay. if we were there 12 hours. Yeah. <laughs> were, you, were you capturing those and turning them around for, for radio? Or were they live? Or were, how was that working? Is that a radio Delayed thing? feed. Delayed feed, yeah. yeah. So you'd bring them right, back and yeah. then they'd, they'd incorporate them? Right. right. They were editing and then sometimes, because oh. they, they had live, the, the radio station was live from, I think, 9 a.m. till noon. And then cert, there'd be interviews from noon till the air show. And then the air show would broadcast over the air, and then it would go back to recordings. And then, oh no, after the air show, it was live again for about three hours, uh-huh. and then more interviews over the evening. So, yeah, 40, 
46, my gosh, it was so much fun. We really enjoyed ourselves. In fact, if uh, you know, to get a hold of those interviews, in fact, I did have an email from a, a listener today. Um, one of our listeners, Chris, was asking me about the Sun and Fun audio. And uh, just to let everybody know, they are not going to be in the iTunes feed. They are only available on the website. One of the reasons that we set it up that way this time around is basically due to the sheer volume of interviews. We couldn't, we just really didn't have time to edit them and make them into a complete show, uh, nor put them in the feed. So what we did was we created one blog post at stuckmikeavcast.com forward slash audio forward slash SMF. And you can see all of the audio uh, interviews there on that website, on that web page, I should say. Each one will have a name and a short description on what the audio is about. They're separated out by days one through five, uh, which is um, Tuesday through Saturday. Sunday was kind of a slow day. Uh, we weren't out running around doing interviews for the radio station, so only five days. And all you have to do is click on the title at the beginning of um, the description, the one that looks like it's hyperlinked, and you'll be able to listen to the each, each um, interview individually. Um, so that's uh, you know that is how you can reach those things. Victoria, tell us what tell us. We have one last. I know you guys have heard so much about Women Fly It Forward, but Victoria won another award this year for her event. Tell us about your award, real quick. Well, I didn't win it. The airport won it, and all our wonderful volunteers and people who came out to help really made this possible. Um, we earned the title of the most female pilot-friendly airport in the United States award. And uh, we're actually runner-up for the Worldwide Award. Um, the people who won the Worldwide Award were in Yellowknife, um, Canada, in the Northwest Territories. And they flew over the entire week 400 women. Wow. So congratulations to them and congratulations to Frederick Airport for taking a title home for the second year in a row. Yay. Very cool. Congratulations. Big, big that stuff. Is, thank you. You've, very you've, nicely. You've done, that's a very cool thing you do. Not just you. I know you just organize well, it, you. but everybody, you know. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So, uh, I'm sorry, I interrupted. Were you going to say something? I was just going to say, you have to come out next year, Rick. Yeah, definitely. The pictures, we need a group shot, so I definitely have to come down. <laughs> if if sure. for anything, we just need one group photo. Yeah, it's just a photo op. I'll just walk in, go, hi, and then we'll walk right out. <laughs> no, no, it'd be fun to, fun to come down and maybe go flying. Uh, we, we took some good ones at Fly It Forward. I strangled both Len and Carl, so. Yeah, oh, I like those pictures a lot. It was a really pretty day down there. Yeah, it was. It was a great day. It was a great day. Uh, two last announcements. Uh, I haven't talked, actually shared these um, on the air recently, but we do, uh, for the folks interested, I've had some questions from folks, again, how to uh, how to purchase, if you're interested in the Stuck Mike Avcast t-shirts, coffee mugs, magnets, buttons, you know, that kind of stuff, our Stuck Mike Avcast swag, you can go to stuckmikeavcast.com forward slash buy. You'll be redirected to the store there and you'll be able to pick up those items. Also, for folks interested uh, in sending donations, again, the show is uh, it is a user-supported user show. It's stuckmikeavcast.com forward slash support. If you feel like sending in a donation, even, uh, you know, $1, $5, whatever you like, there are some special, uh, some special gifts for folks depending on the level of donation. Check it out at the, on the website, stuckmikeavcast.com forward slash support. Now entering cruise flight. So moving, uh, moving along, we have some 
fun, you know, some fun topics this evening, some fun stories to, to, to share. I, Rick, you've got something that's kind of like a, I don't know, I don't want to call it a news news update, but it's kind of newsworthy. It's a sort of a current event in aviation. Tell us about it. The flying car thing? Yeah. I mean, the rotable aircraft thing? Yes, um, rotable, rotable so, aircraft. Yeah, so the... Um, there's a couple parts to this that I think that I thought were interesting because it crossed sort of my desk through Twitter the other day, um, an article that I want to talk about in a minute. Um, but the Terra Fugia's um, uh, air, you know, airplane, rotable, rotable aircraft, the transition, um, a couple of big things happened this week. They did, or like I think April 2nd, so recently, this is coming out a little later than that, but um, they did a, a successful, their prototype did a, a successful test flight. Um, around Plattsburgh, uh, New York airport, they they basically you know drove it there and um, took off and uh, did pattern uh, fourteen hundred feet, flew for about eight minutes, landed, no problems. And uh, it's very cool that um, I mean I you know I'm, I don't know that this is the answer to all sorts of other, you know, issues with aviation or or whatever. I just think it's cool that someone's managing to do this and they're staying after it. And every step, it gets closer and closer to being you know something people can buy and. And uh, drive so that that was very cool and to read about that happening and and there we'll put a link to the to to this but there um, there's video of a sort of a test drive pre-flight and and that first uh, that prototype flight I know they've flown it a little bit before but this was a big deal and I think by the time this this comes out this will already be over but they're um, showing it at uh, I guess it's the is it the Jacob Javits Center there's an auto show yeah in New York City, uh, April 6th through the 15th, which will be over by the time this is happening. But because it's also a car there, they've got it uh, being shown there. And I think it's uh, very cool that that's all happening. So anyway, that's cool. But the thing that I wanted to talk about um, or just bring up to you guys, uh, there was an article that I thought was very, on a couple of levels, very interesting in Flying uh, Magazine. Uh, I think it was in the magazine, but I, I found it online. And it was some question and answers uh, about the about the rotable aircraft and this particular one uh and some i guess i should say questions and some answers and some answers that weren't quite complete or are not being revealed or aren't determined yet so i thought it's kind of interesting um i I, and i I was just going to run through the questions uh, and i think we know the answer to some of these but i may throw them out there and see what you guys would think the answer is and uh, a couple of them uh, were ones i hadn't thought of before um so uh, one, the first question was that they asked was how, how are the car wheels connected to the power plant? And I think we know that uh, from our interview we did a few shows ago, which was basically there is uh, a, a transmission, just a fairly basic uh, thing that, you know, that, that allows the engine to either move the propeller or move the wheels, but not both at the same time. Um, they asked the uh, company, what is the top speed of the car? And um, they won't say. And so... The um, the article, the person writing the article theorizes that that probably means it's not going to quite go as fast as you want it to go um, as a car, but they do say it'll maintain highway speeds. And um, the person writing the article, who I should give credit to, Roger Robert Goyer from Flying, um, asked, you know, would it do 80 between San Antonio and El Paso? And the answer, tell me what you think his answer was. Okay, I'll just go ahead and tell you. <laughs> Uh, it's in, in such an instance, 80 between San Antonio and El Paso, the answer from the company was, why wouldn't you want to fly? Right. You know, right. Why would you want to do 80 on a road? You know? So uh, that was cool. Um, if you wanted to get a shot of power on the road, could you in a pinch use the prop to get extra boost? What do you think the answer to that is? Not advised. Exactly. Sadly, no. Uh, basically, 
you have to drive the car with the wings folded, and with the wings folded, the propeller will not be connected. Um, and they point out you could pull over and extend the wings, switch over to a plane and take, take off, but that would violate multiple, multiple laws. And uh, so that is, not, oh my goodness. Yeah, that is not advised either. Um, and is it freeway legal and safe? What do you think? Uh, yeah. yeah, that'd have yeah. to be, yes. It is. Yeah. And they've worked, they've worked hard on that as we, as we heard in our interview. Um, number five, there's just a few more of these. Um, this is interesting. The visibility looks limited in back, um, and in, in blind spots, how will drivers deal with that? And I don't know if you noticed this, but in the video, you can see it. The uh, side view mirrors uh, extend. There are side view mirrors, first of all. So remembering it's a plane, but they have side view mirrors and they extend out pretty far to, to, to give clearance for the, you know, for the, for the rest of the plane and back. So you can see, and apparently they're putting in a, a camera, a rear uh, view camera for straight, for straight back. So you can get a view because, because it is, it does, if you look at it, it does look severely limited. So that was new to me. I had not heard that part uh, before. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, yeah, totally. Here's an interesting question that I had not thought of either. When it comes to aviation maintenance, how do you count aircraft hours versus car hours? What do you think the answer to that is? Or do they not? have two different? It's pretty obvious. Like but... an engine gauge and a prop gauge. <laughs> yeah, the actual answer is no, they don't. So no, no matter when, if the engine's running, the engine's running. So the Hobbs meter is moving if you're driving down the road. I mean, basically, Ooh. yeah, if you've got to do, they, they recommend an overhaul of 2,000 hours, and that's highway and flying. So that's oh, okay. an interesting thing. Hmm. Not surprising, oh, but it does, it does sure. mean you're, you're going you're to rack up those miles even if you don't fly much. Whatever. It depends on how you use it. But Don't drive cross-country. No, exactly. No. Um, and here's an interesting one I think that Victoria will find interesting. Um, what about insurance? And the, the way they phrased it is Allstate or Avemco or any other aviation insurance company. Aviation insurance resources. Yes. Um, <laughs> nice plug. Basically, they don't know. The interesting answer to that is they're not sure. And they think it's going to be some kind of hybrid that they're going to have. Someone's going to have to work out a way to package both things depending on use. Um, Interesting. Yeah, isn't that interesting? I had some part of it I hadn't thought about. So I thought those were just kind of cool. We can put a link to that as well as um, to the uh, to the video, and then I have a I have a pick of the week that relates to this that I'll talk about later. But um, anyway, they're they're moving forward. It's very cool. Yeah, they have a lot of challenges they've overcome. It'll be interesting to see yeah. what continues to happen. Hopefully, the economy and people there'll be money for it, and people will want it, and just enough early adopters will will get them around. That would be kind of mm -hmm. cool. So anyway. Oh, you know, this would be a. I'll, I'll I'll skip that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say this would be a perfect thing for the back of someone's motorhome, where they can actually, you know, yeah. I wonder if they've looked into that trailering it or or having it uh, actually pulled behind a motorhome. Oh wow! And uh, you know, people have their spare the cars, and then they got their spare car and an airplane yeah. right behind their motorhome. Yeah, you don't need anything else. Right now, you just need have to have a seaplane version. Mm. Right, you got everything. Right. Well. Yeah. There is, because Victoria just said it. What were you saying? You did it with the what? You do it with the what? You should do it with the icon. That's, that's right. That yes. goes on a trailer. The wings fold up. And, and that is their actual business. Thing. That's what they're recommending for that. That is that's their yeah. their use scenario. Is that you do trailer that thing? The icon doesn't drive though, does it? No. So you have to trailer it, but yeah, it does. So it does act like a boat in that way. <laughs> so, so Carl needs two. Right. Well, needs one of everything. I think if you get, yeah, if you get a three plane garage, then you can get your your SR twenty two in one bay. And yeah. then each of these and the others, and you'll be all set. Yeah. Anyway, and that's you can my, send donations too. Right, exactly. That's my uh, money. That's my little story for tonight, and I'm sticking to it. That was cool. Yeah. That was awesome.
Well, you know, every pilot needs three airplanes, right? One to go flat, fast, one to go slow, and one to go upside down. Right, right. And I, go. yeah, exactly. I need to start, I need to make a list of those. <laughs> start. No, that's cool. Yeah, I had seen, you know, when we had uh, the folks from Terrafugia on yeah. their show, I had looked at some of the videos afterwards uh, on the website, and it was just the ones of doing high-speed taxi and a couple of a couple of uh, a couple of the takeoffs on the runway and just touching down again. So that's pretty cool that they they made it around the traffic pattern finally. Yeah, and no problems, no issues, and so it's it's cool. And the video is out there, and I'm sure, you know, who knows if uh, whatever. I'm sure they they've got people working on. I actually I, I do know who's working on it, and I'll talk about that later. But making video. Oh, of this okay. Thing. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, that's 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 so fascinating. So I wanted to share. Have you guys? Let me ask you a question, because this this is how I like to lead this this conversation. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever ignored air traffic control intentionally? Hmm. Why on earth hmm. would you do that, Len? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Carl, you have? Oh, yeah. Oh, tell me why. Sure. Well, if you're dealing with something, a mechanical problem, it's like, you know, hello. You know, that I, I actually, I, a good instance, I went around because I got in someone's wake and uh, we couldn't. Just you know, we got the plane under control, and we went around, and uh, I didn't have time to talk to him. Mm -hmm. We were, we were first, we were kind of shaken up a little, so we had to take a few deep breaths. And I was like, you know, just ignore the air traffic controller. We've got to get this plane cleaned up and get downwind. Mm -hmm. Finally, we talked to him, mm -hmm. and they can figure it out. They they know there's an issue. Yeah, you know, the plane huh? it's going around. <laughs> I'm trying to yeah. you know, I'm trying to think if 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 ignore is something I've ever done, or if I've qu certainly questioned. You know, like. Not just not responded or not just not done something, but mm -hmm. maybe said, "Okay, can hang on, can I point something out to you?" And uh, you know, just to have a dialogue about it, because I don't know, I'd have to think about it. But I, mostly, it's been situations where maybe I had better situational awareness than the tower did in that moment. Not yeah. because they, not because they aren't good at what they do, but because you know, I was in a position to see something that maybe they weren't tracking, and you know, so I would often bring it up. Um, Rather than just so, I don't know if there's been an ignore situations for me. But well, I have to you want to define ignore? Like when you said ignore, I was thinking, oh, turn off the volume. I'm not. I'm going to do what I want to do. Versus, I need to take care of flying the plane first, and then I'll get back to you. So. Sure. Okay. So, uh, so uh, intentionally not answering a radio call, and uh, the re the reason I ask this question. Two weeks ago, we were departing. I, I I don't talk about a lot of details. Obviously, we Carl and I try to keep things de-identified for work purposes. But we were departing a Class Bravo airspace, and we were given our departure clearance. And the departure clearance was for us to take off on runway two two left, and we were going to turn to a. I think it was a heading of uh, safe for safe. For instance, I think it was one, heading a one ten, and. We pulled out on the runway. We were cleared for takeoff. We advanced the thrust levers. The captain was flying. I was the pilot monitoring. We advanced the thrust levers. We started accelerating down the runway, and I hear tra air traffic control announce, flight 2256, confirm your transponder is on and you're squawking 6254. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, that's my flight number, but he did not call me and tell me to cancel my takeoff clearance. Right. I looked at my airspeed. And I'm just passing through 80 knots. Now, why that's important is in the jet, we have a low-speed regime and a high-speed regime. Anything that is 0 to 80 knots, if we have any sort of malfunction or abnormality, we will abort the takeoff up to 80 knots. 80 knots to V1, 
which is uh, what it, you know V1 is our takeoff speed is a, it's right around it's, our airplane V1 and rotate are pretty much the same but in some airplanes they're split by a few knots but 80 knots to V1 is the high speed regime where you're only going to abort the takeoff if you have an engine fire failure or some you know uh, usually a loss of directional control or anything else that you think you know that gives you the perception that the aircraft is not flyable so he gives me this clearance. You know, a tower calls us while I'm just passing through 80 knots. Gives us this clearance to to, to verify our squat. Your transponder's on, and we're squawking. I look down. We're going through 80 knots, and I think to myself, "I don't have time to talk to this dude," so I ignored him. We're going a little bit faster. We're getting about 100, 110 knots. He's like, he calls back. Flight 20, getting irritated now. Flight 2256. Check your transponder's on, and you're squawking 6254. And I keyed up the microphone and very sternly said, on takeoff roll, stand by. Nice. <laughs> and he comes back and he's like, he, well, actually, he waited. He waited until we rotated and he rated, waited basically until our gear was up and we started climbing out. And he comes on, he said, flight, uh, flight 2256, I apologize for the interruption. You know, he apologized once and I didn't acknowledge because you know, I was just trying to clean up the aircraft, and the second time he gave us a turn, he apologized again, and a third time when he switched us over to departure. And you know, I thought to myself, this is interesting because I've never. It's actually something I've wondered. You know what what happens when power calls and interrupts you during an important phase of flight, and that's exactly what happened that day. And I just ignored him. And then when he was adamant to find where I was because he clearly had misplaced uh, our strip and was not quite sure what aircraft was going where at that moment. And, and those things happen. They make mistakes just as much as we make mistakes. But as you know, as I said, I was just stern with him. On departure roll, stand by. <laughs> like, I don't have time to talk to you. Uh, and it was, it was just something that I've, I've never encountered before. It was really right. strange. And it was one of those things, like I said, when I heard it, I looked immediately at my airspeed, and I thought he did not tell me to abort my takeoff or cancel the takeoff clearance. So I'm not talking to him, and I'm continuing what I'm doing. Now, the reason I say that that's important because I did have an instance, and I was departing another major class. Uh, well, class Bravos are all major, but I was departing another class Bravo airspace airport in um, in the uh, the eastern part of the United States. We had just advanced the thrust levers. We had gotten the departure clearance from uh, runway three zero, just to, just advanced the thrust levers, and then tower immediately said, "Cancel the takeoff clearance." We pulled the thrust levers idle. We'd only rolled maybe about a hundred feet, came to a stop, and as we come to a stop, we see an airplane descending over our runway because this particular airport, the uh, the departure runway and the arrival runway are perpendicular. It makes like almost like a T shape. We saw this runway come right across the approach path of our uh, right, you know, right across the runway is which we would have been departing from. And Tower had caught this because we were in the airplane. We didn't see, you know, where he was a couple of miles out. We didn't see him on final. Tower at that point canceled our takeoff clearance and literally saved our lives because had we rotated and climbed out, it would have been the responsibility of the guy landing on that other runway to see us and turn around us because where we from our angle where we were we wouldn't have seen him in time so that's one time i did not ignore wow. traffic control when they called us on the runway but right. uh, you can you can imagine you know i actually i think i put something out on uh was it facebook or twitter about that i don't know if you guys remember that earlier in the year where uh tower controller saved our lives after nearly trying to kill us but that was an interesting experience <laughs> wow yeah to say the least 
Yeah, to say the least. So, you know, like I said, thanks for clarifying that, Victoria. I'm not intentionally ignoring them, but, you know, you have to you have to kind of assess the situation like we like I said, am I in high speed regime, low speed regime? What did he just say? And, it, you know, it's like the other stuff we talked about on takeoff roll. If your headset falls off or the water bottle falls or something falls and it's not, you know, it's not a safety of flight thing. You just ignore it uh, for the moment. Continue what you're doing. Get to a, a, a safe aircraft condition and configuration and proceed on. So that was uh, that was just last week. And, I, you know, the story's been sticking in my mind. I was going to write a blog post about it, but I didn't get around to it. But so I figured I'd tell the story here instead. Yeah, I can't. Again, I've still been thinking about similar situations when asked for information that, you know, maybe in a situation where it wasn't crucial and I waited a little bit. You know, I'm sure definitely there's been moments where, mm-hmm. you know, you keep flying the airplane in a situation until you can focus. Early on in training, you know, maybe we all went through that where you, you can't process everything well enough. So you wait, like if you're taxiing or you've just landed and you're rolling out or whatever. Um, whatever. But I, I think once, once you get the rhythm of, of how to fly and talk, um, it, it's, it happens a lot less that way. Um, so, yeah, I don't think I ever had that situation. Certainly not that situation for sure. Well, you I don't. Oh, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I don't, I don't feel as ignoring. I think you were doing what you're supposed to do in our three priorities, you know, that we teach aviate, navigate, communicate. That was yeah. number three. You were aviating and mm-hmm. navigating. So, you know, I, I, you know, one of the terms that you should use often, and I do this a lot, is standby. You know, I just say standby. I don't have time for this, especially if you're in an emergency situation. You just tell them stand by, and they'll just they'll they'll even uh, give you directions, and you may not be able to respond to them, but they'll watch you and see that you're responding to their to their commands while you're trying to deal with this emergency that you're dealing with, especially if it's something that's really really important, say something's you know smoke fire etc. Well, so use the term stand by. My first thought was how <laughs> the nerve of this guy. How dare he? I'm, yeah. I'm falling down the runway. What could you possibly want right now? <laughs> but like I said, mistakes happen, and that's kind of kind of the instance. Uh, and like I said, yeah, I said on departure roll, stand by. You know, very sternly on the second attempt for him to contact us, and it was uh, that's when the bigger picture came into light for him and this particular controller, and he realized the uh, the error, the slight error. So. Uh, that was, yeah, that was interesting. And, and Rick, you had commented earlier, you know, you're not sure if you had necessarily ignored or delayed a response, but have you questioned air traffic control? And the story about the, you know, the tower controller that almost cleared us, well, had initially cleared us for takeoff into the path of an arriving aircraft. Again, that wasn't something that we would have questioned. Because by the time we had rolled out onto the runway, that aircraft had already been cleared to land because they they have a tendency to clear us anywhere from five to sometimes 20 miles out, clear us, um, you know, clear us for landing at these big airports. So we would have never heard them in the first place. So for us to have known that there was another aircraft on arrival that was going to be in our path wasn't something that we would have ever known. Right. Right. Wow. I'm I'm seriously convinced that had we rotated and started climbing out, the only way that anybody would have avoided an accident is if the other aircraft saw us in time to go around. Because we wouldn't have. Yeah. It was out of our field of view. Right. And now, don't you... So, they were on final. They they must have seen you move out onto the runway. Yeah, but we were taxi position and hold, and then, you mm-hmm. know, the takeoff, was, the, the takeoff clearance was given. Uh, again, you know, and they... I mean, who knows? Maybe they wouldn't have. Maybe they didn't yeah. realize what was going on either because that airport is common practice. The arrivals come over the departure runway like that all the time. Oh, so wow. 
And like I said, if they're cleared for landing so far out, I wouldn't hear it by the time I switch over to tower frequency holding short. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Wow, pretty cool. Never had that happen before. So uh, one time I ignored ATC, and one time they saved my butt. <laughs> it's like they, key, they you know you're on you're on takeoff roll, and they key up and say, uh, "Yeah, it's flight whatever, whatever." Are, are you having the fish or the uh, or the or the steak? Steak. <laughs> <laughs> I never trust the fish. No. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So anyway, I thought I'd throw that out there and just give a little a little primer on. Uh, well, like Carl said, when it's okay to say standby or. Uh, postpone a response for for whatever situation you're in in the aircraft so interesting it's interesting stuff happens out there every day well don't they say stand by to us all the time they're yep. really busy yep. yeah so we can do the same for them you know sure. you sure can. both in the system yeah yeah sometimes it feels good to stand up for yourself on the radio too yes actually you want to hear another quick story i i got a little smart with somebody yesterday on the radio sure we uh, were push, trying to push back off our gate for, for departure. And our stuff is all scheduled at the airline, as you know. Uh, as people who have travel, air travel, uh, know how sort of an airline runs on schedule and whatnot and how sometimes there's delays. The aircraft was all buttoned up and packaged and ready to go. And uh, right bef- about one minute before our push time, our ground crew disappeared. We didn't know where they went. I looked over at the aircraft to the left of us, and it appeared to us that they took the tug and themselves and went to the aircraft next to us. So I looked at the captain, and he looked at me, and I was like, well, so much for getting out on time. And uh, so it was, it was a while before they pushed. And then so we're like, okay, so when they're done, they'll come back to our airplane. No, no, they went to the airplane to the left of that and pushed that airplane. So I got... Um, yeah, I got kind of snooty, and I called up our operations agent, and I said, this is flight 7234 to uh, wherever we're going. So, um, yeah, we're 14 minutes past our go time. Um, are we going to get this show on the road anytime today? And she's like, excuse me? I was like, yeah, where's our push crew? And uh, she oh. came up with some response, and I said to her, well, I'm not quite sure why they had to push the aircraft next to us, and then go to the one next to them, and then... Um, I don't remember what she said because I couldn't hear her very clearly. She was stepped on, but uh, and the captain was laughing at me. He's like, yeah, that's right. You tell her what's up. I'm, like, oh, I'm not trying to be like that, but it was, we went out you know, 15 minutes late because there's poor coordination. So that was, uh, that was, I can't have, that was the first time I'd been snitty on the radio, I think, in a long time. You know, she might the have made you, you make, uh, make you wait longer because you were snooty with her. She could. I'd be like, he was a brat. I'm going to. Make them wait 15 more minutes. <laughs> well, could have. <laughs> well, tell people why you really were mad because you didn't have a brake release. And people don't realize we're paid by the minute. And uh, you can't release a brake unless they're, they're ready to push you back. So you were sitting there not getting paid. So that's the real reason. In the back of your mind, you weren't getting paid. Well, exactly. Uh, so I lost money out on that deal. But it <laughs> happens. It happens. It happens all the time. So anyway, how about we uh, take a quick break for an announcement from one of our f- uh, friends from the podcast. Hi, this is Amy Labota, the editor-in-chief of Aviation for Women magazine, and you're listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Cool, and we are back. Yay. 
I would love to hear a little story from Victoria. A little story? <laughs> seen pictures of you with hedgehogs in the airplane. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, my topic I wanted to tell everyone about today was flying with pets. And actually the Aviatrix uh, aerogram I uh, participate in is doing a section on um, people and the pets they fly with and stuff. So I thought it'd be a good discussion to have, um, especially since I used to do, I had a dog a couple years ago and I brought him everywhere with me. He came to work, he went in my car, we'd go on little hikes and stuff like that. And I really miss having that connection with the dog. So I was like, the next time I get one, my dog is getting in the airplane with me and flying around. So, um, first of all, I'd love to hear listener experiences, um, you know, with them flying with their pets, as well as any suggestions, tips and tricks they have for flying with their pets. Um, I'm sure it must take some time to like acclimate animals to the cockpit. And if they'll be a frequent traveler, probably the sooner the better. So, you know, when I get a puppy, I'm going to make sure he's ready to hold still in the aircraft for quite some time and that he's relieved prior to entering the carpet as well. Um, next I'm probably going to do a few laps around the pattern, stay him flying locally, you know, slowly build up the flight time with the pet to see how they react, get them used to the vibrations and sound of the carpet, um, the cockpit. I can't talk today. I, I think I said carpet twice. You did. Yeah. Carpet. Cockpit. Cockpit. It's important Not that the pets get comfortable with the carpet as well. <laughs> oh no, maybe not. Actually, yeah, I don't you don't want, want them, them to get too comfortable yeah, on true. the carpet. <laughs> okay. Strike that. <laughs> Well, it is you a know, flying maybe carpet. Maybe this is like a subconscious <laughs> thing. I'm worried about our carpet being destroyed by this <laughs> puppy I want to get. Uh-oh. Oh, goodness. Anyway, uh, so my point is it probably takes some time for them to get used to the cockpit. Um, I'd start out getting them used to the sounds of the airport, do some pattern work, and then slowly wake, work yourself up to cross countries and things of that sort. Um there are a few things to consider in terms of safety, however. First, you need to take into account um, the type of pet you are bringing. Um, we have family that's just a quick 20-minute flight away, and they love our pet hedgehog, Quilson. Yes, hedgehog. He's like a hamster with spikes, and he rolls up when he's scared, which happens a lot. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, we put him in a box and wanted to make sure he stayed warm and that the sound of the cockpit was muffled. So he's a small little guy. And we were concerned about oxygen deprivation as well. So we didn't go over 3,000 feet our entire flight because we didn't know how it would affect his little head. Um, one fun fact, actually, is that beard, bearded dragons should not fly. They have sinus passages that are really hard to equalize in an unpressurized plane. So stuff like that, yeah, you need to keep in mind for um, when you're transporting animals because they're did not you, like us. Did you say a bearded dragon? A bearded dragon. I met the coolest bearded dragon named Spud the other day. What, and what the heck? <laughs> I don't have any idea. This is, this is a real thing. Hang on. I'm going yes. I'm, I'm to Google it. <laughs> you don't know what a bearded dragon is? No. He's don't, like a lizard. Don't look at me like I'm silly. And he has a beard. And it's <laughs> oh, yeah. colors. And, and he smiles. Yeah. There's like a smile on his face. Wow. Yeah. yeah okay. I thought it was wow. a type of beer. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's basically a lizard. So whether or not it's just bearded dragons or not, if you are transporting any lizard, 
I double check and see if, you know, ask a, a vet that's familiar with reptiles if they should go up or, you know, if you should go that high with them because you really could um, affect them. Uh, luckily, Quilson did just fine in his box. And um, on our next flight, we t- tried to take him out and see if he liked the view. Well, I don't know if he really saw what was going on, but he took to aviation really well. <laughs> I, I, he's usually the most sensitive hedgehog. Like he'll just roll off at the slightest sound or if you like breathe on him. But he was alert. He wasn't scared. He was active and running around. Um, you know, check for pictures on my blog if you don't believe me. Maybe we can put one up on the site. But, yeah, you um, should. I remember that. Yeah. They were hysterical. I, it turns out he really liked the vibration and That's the constant hum mm-hmm. of the aircraft. Um, his mother was horrible to him. Uh, she bit off his ears as a child, so he doesn't have like that cup where he can have the control the direction of the sound. Um, so I think the fact that the sound was coming in all directions actually calmed him, and it was a constant, you know, hum. And, uh, but we didn't want to cause any permanent damage to his ears. Cause as we said, we don't know how this really affects the animals. So after he got some exercise running around the aircraft, um, we put him back in his box. So he was warm and, uh, didn't get any permanent damage to his hearing. Um, for those worried about aircraft noise injuring the ears of pets, actually, there is, um, a creation called the mutt muffs for dogs. Um, just like acclimating the pet to being in the cockpit, using the mutt muffs, a headset for dogs may take some getting used to as well. Um, they start around $55 and they also come, um, they have like a cute aviation related toys and bananas on the mutt muff website as well. Um, another thing I mentioned earlier was that, um, we're, we are going to be concerned about them re, uh, receiving enough oxygen because we don't know how the change in pressure and heights affect them. So it's actually suggested that short-nosed dogs uh, should not fly at altitudes over 5,000 feet. And then other dogs um, start to experience oxygen deprivation at altitudes of over 8,000 feet. And there's a very significant oxygen deprivation for animals, um, dogs specifically, at altitudes above 10,000 feet, which that's kind of when we start to feel it too. So there's actually uh, two solutions. You can stay low with your pet or you can get a doggy oxygen mask. They really make them. <laughs> um, there's a company called Four Paws Aviation that sells these and the system starts at $150 for uh, small dogs. And this Four Paws Aviation company actually sells their own version of Mutt Muffs on their website as well. And um, they also sell doggles, which are dog goggles, so they can look like little World War II flying dogs if you want them to. Those I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> Those are hilarious. Yeah. I, I want to get my dog outfitted. He's going to have, you know, the leather jacket, <laughs> little World War II scarf, <laughs> goggles, mutt muffs, you name it. Is this I, like shopping I, for the child you don't have yet as well? Is this shopping for the, the puppy you don't have oh, yet? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so this dog's going to be equipped. <laughs> <laughs> Good. You know, I tell you, that that was like one of the more popular booths at Sun and Fun this year was Four Paws. They had some really cool stuff, just like you were talking about. I, I couldn't believe Mutt Muffs, but the goggles, they they were just amazing. There's there's so many people that are into aviation that are really dog lovers, and they uh, um, go out there and they buy all sorts of products. I, I 
every time I went by that booth, they were so busy. And just like you, you've been describing it, and I'm listening to this saying, wow, that's really cool. And I'm sure a lot of other people did the same thing when they walked by. And they're, I'm first saying, really? Goggles? Where's the scarf? And they did. They had a scarf, too. <laughs> they did. That's awesome. Yeah, that was I was cool. just making that up. So I'm glad there is one. <laughs> yeah. It may have just been a display. I'm pretty sure they, I don't know. I have to look in their, their you know, catalog, see if they actually do sell it. But uh, I saw a little scarf there and everything. It's That was just so cool. I think that that's neat. That's really, really cool. So when you do get your dog, what you're going to have to do, though, is you're going to have to take pictures of the, all the mutt musts and stuff like that. And, oh, for sure. I'll, do, I'll yeah. do a whole review. Oh, and then, you know, they have a log book, too. Hey, you, know you just told, took my pick of the week. <laughs> oh, and anyway. No, that's, <laughs> that's okay because there's two parts in my pick of the week. You just ruined one. So, oh, go, man. I did. Oh, gosh. I got excited about my I got to read the notes. I got to read the show notes. I don't think I put it in there. It's my fault. <laughs> well, but, uh, we'll borrow the uh, shock collar and put it on Carl, and the next time he acts up. <laughs> <laughs> you all of a sudden hear Carl yelp through the... <laughs> Oh, that's just a shock collar. Don't you worry. (laughs) No, actually, since we're talking about that, there is a doggy log book. Um, My friend uh, brought her friend's dog for his first flight, and she called it a young beagle flight, (laughs) (laughs) which I thought was adorable. And um, I'm going to just tell what I said next for my pick of the week instead. So it's okay, Carl. I'll forgive you. They also have the same website that sells the doggy log book sells the doggy flight bag. So um, that's all available at powderpuffpilot.com. So do you put the dog in the bag? No, you don't put the dog. It's it's <laughs> to keep the dog's log book, his mutt muffs, his oh. food. It's like you know how you have a flight bag. Well, you got one for your dog. Oh, how cool. Does it have their name on it? Like a little bag tag? Uh, I don't Pilot puppy? So, but I'm sure you could get it embroidered somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Neat stuff. Oops. Oh, yeah. Clicked the wrong thing. I clicked for babies, not dogs. Oops. Big Uh, difference there, Lynn. Hello. Uh, (laughs) Dogs, flight log, Fido's flight bag, headsets for dogs, and squeaky toys. (laughs) It's awesome. Um, My last point I just wanted to make, as always, a disclaimer. Um, Throughout all the fun flying with your Fido, just be sure to stay safe and concentrate on the number one task at hand, which is flying the aircraft. Um, A pet in the aircraft is yet another distraction you might have to deal with. I know I was distracted when taking pictures of Quilson because he was so darn cute sitting up there by the compass. But, you know, you got to pay attention to what you're doing. So I hope this helps. And as I said before, I'd love to hear what our listeners have to say and if they have any pictures they'd like to share. I think it would be really neat. Yeah, that'd be cool. I love, uh, I've not flown with pets before, but I would like to do some of those pilots and pause flights one time. So mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about that too much right now. Right. <laughs> um, anyway, cool. Cool. Yeah, yeah it's, let- it's very cool. I mean, I, I, we have always had dogs and, and, but have not always been a pilot. So only more recently has this been an option. And mm-hmm. I definitely, um, I've stopped at the that booth at Oshkosh before and looked at the stuff because I'm sort of very aware that there's probably a good way to do this. And some of the stuff that you just mentioned is is on that list. So it's very interesting stuff. I would have to figure out when and how to do it. Well, I had a friend that used to fly with theirs in the, and it was a Cherokee 6. And they, they like, 
kind of tied the leash around one of the base legs of the seats and got him a, his usual doggy bed yeah. and just put it so that uh, so they didn't have a lot of room to move around for the obvious reason that they don't need the dog jumping up on their lap or into the you know into the forward section of the airplane when they're trying to operate the aircraft. But yeah. I, I, I never even thought of asking them how they trained the dog. They must have probably gone up locally in the pattern a couple times to see how he was going to react first. Right. I totally forgot about that until now, yeah. Yeah, you never know. It could be a very scary experience for them, or they could just be fine. I mean, mm-hmm. all those dogs, four pilots and paws, have never been in airplanes before. So, right, you know. right. Yeah. Well, sweet. I can't wait till you get your puppy, and then you can tell us all about it. I know. I just have to wait till all this like oh, wedding and honeymoon crap to be over with. <laughs> wait a minute. Is this the puppy that we were going to have joint, uh, joint custody of? I remember that discussion mm, yeah but you're well, too not, far away now it it's not gonna work anymore <laughs> you can't be at your house on weekends now darn it no no i don't you're even have a house babysit. i don't even have a house anymore <laughs> oh homeless but, len homeless uh, no it's couch surfing len oh okay there's a big difference using and abusing your friends i see how it is they're not even my friends i don't know these people oh wow yeah yeah it's cool. Anyway, enough about my gypsy lifestyle. Um, Carl, you have uh, you've not flown with pets, but tell us about your most recent, uh, or not your most recent. Actually, you had a, a. Well, just go ahead. You talk. I don't want to talk anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> well, I, I guess you're you're cons- uh, talking about my my little turbulence experience that we were discussing before. Is that yeah. what you're talking about, Len? Probably yeah, we hate that, but uh, it's, it's been a long day. So you just, no, I understand. <laughs> well, actually, uh, recently, as, as you know, we talked to some of the folks over at, uh, in Tampa at, uh, Fox news, they had me on to discuss turbulence. And, uh, I don't know if you know this or heard about this, but there was a flight from Tampa to Houston that actually had to, um, land and get some ambulances, to pick up the people that were in the aircraft because of the fact that they were injured. And they were injured because they, en route in uh, Louisiana, they encountered some severe turbulence. So really what I just want to talk about real quickly is is uh, severe turbulence, some of the hazards, and how to avoid severe turbulence. And I um, and just some of my own experiences, I a quick just quick story, when I was uh, flying, uh, from the west towards New York, I was about uh, it was last uh, excuse me last winter. Had a great tailwind. I mean, we were doing like 600 knots across the ground. It was terrific, and we're like, oh, this is great. We're gonna get home. Well, we were pretty much right there at the jet stream, and uh, as we're approaching New York, the New York controllers say to us, you know, hey, there's uh, been some reports of some severe turbulence ahead of you. I was like, really? And uh, I guess just at a certain altitude, it it was. They were encountering severe turbulence. So as we descended, I told the flight attendant to take a seat. And during this flight, actually, it was a repositioning flight. What that means is we were moving an aircraft from point A to point B or bringing it back to New York, and we had no passengers on board. So the flight attendant was up and about and walking around. I said, you know, you might want to strap in. And sure enough, when we were descending, it was like, bam, we hit this incredible jolt. And uh, I just just went right up into my seatbelt and almost hit my head on the overhead well this was severe turbulence and what happened to the flight from tampa to houston they encountered similar type of turbulence normally severe turbulence is associated with thunderstorms 
But every so often you can run into it while you're flying, possibly in what's called clear air turbulence or in the jet stream, et cetera. And uh, what, what's interesting about this story is that there's some in, some cool video, and I'll have it out there on my website, of and pictures. And I'm sure some of you folks have seen some of the pictures of the people getting tossed around and also of, of uh, some of the uh, things that were spilled on the ceiling. And, then, and you know, the, the biggest thing here as far as being in the aircraft is, uh, you know, we say during, you know, takeoff and, and landing and, and going, you have to have all your straps in and all your seatbelts on. Well, you know, your passengers especially, if you're bringing your friends, they should always have that seatbelt on uh, whenever they're in the airplane as much as they can, uh, because you never know when something like this is going to happen. And uh, this is a good instance, uh, a good example of this. And what's amazing is most of the airlines, their biggest on-the-job injury of, of flight attendants is because of turbulence. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm sure you've you've experienced something. I think you were mentioning something, Len. You had uh, a bit of an experience with some some turbulence the other day. Yeah. Uh, well, it wasn't the other day. It was probably probably four or five years ago. It was it was clear air turbulence. We were headed from New York up to up to Canada, and somewhere over Vermont area, Burlington, Vermont, somewhere in that vicinity, all of a sudden it was like. It was kind of like that. I don't know if you've seen that video online of the A380 taxiing in in New York, and it hits the wing, you know, the tail of the, oh, yeah. uh, the CRJ. It was just like this abrupt boom, and I, I didn't. You didn't even know what hit you because it was exactly. It, it sort of sounded like an explosion because it's just like boom. And when we, uh, you know, came to an awareness of what was happening, the airplane was 90 degrees to the left. The autopilot was off and malfunctioned. And we were just like, holy crap, you know, straightened out the airplane, got it back straight and level. And, you know, this is what, again, when I said I noticed that the autopilot had malfunctioned due to this because it knocked the autopilot right off. So first thing we did, of course, was call the flight attendant and say, are you okay? And flight attendant's response was, that was so freaking cool. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh. He goes, you should see it back here. People got drinks all over them and there's coffee on the ceiling. You wouldn't believe it. I was like, oh, <laughs> And that was nice. cool. Ah. That was cool. <clears throat> so, Actually, uh, but some of the girls that fly it forward said the bumps were their favorite part. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so that was clear air turbulence. Basically, the short story there was the wind had changed uh, from a tailwind to a headwind, like in that one point in space from you know 80 or 90 knots tailwind to instantaneously being a headwind. Because what I had noticed was when we got straight and we leveled back out, the direction of the wind, I was like, that's exactly what that was, clear air turbulence. It was clear skies. It was cut. There was, uh, there was no thunderstorms associated. And that was... That was my experience with clear air turbulence, other than the usual bumps in the sky like this afternoon flying around storms. But that was the most severe thing I've ever had happen. So uh, keep your, yeah, your seatbelts fastened, people. I'll tell you what. And that's scary, Len. Boy, you know, just listening to you, it's like, gosh, you know, when, how do you know that's going to happen? You don't. No. Unless someone, yeah. unless someone else has told you. Mm-mm. You know? And uh, turbulence is a little bit more random if you will then you know other kinds of reported turbulence obviously that's why they call it clear air turbulence it's kind of unknown when it's going to happen you know it can happen and you know normally when we see clear air turbulence it's not severe you know we're we're descending and we see that there's a layer and that we go through this layer you know we see all the smog at all and also you start bumping around and and it might be light it might possibly be moderate 
and that's not so bad. But severe turbulence, boy, that that's uh, and it's fairly easy to get around severe turbulence. You know, don't go into thunderstorms when it's howling winds and you're going over mountains. You you know, get some severe turbulence. But but when you get into that type of an inversion and that type of a wind shear, you might get some really severe turbulence that you're not expecting. And that's that's the one that I kind of wanted to focus on. It's like what you just said is, you know, this type of turbulence can happen anytime. So you really need to keep strapped in and and keep the passengers strapped in also. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, where, how do you find that information out, though? That's what's important. And you can. You can kind of – you take a look at your, your winds aloft and you say, hey, wait a minute. You know, here's, here's a change in direction here. Maybe I need to be careful here and, and, and in this area that I'm flying in. You know, I was flying out to the Midwest today and, you know, we were up against a 98-knot headwind. And within not too long, we were actually getting a tailwind of 10 knots. Well, we got some turbulence, nothing severe, obviously. But uh, it was it, it's it can be really bad and it can throw some people around the aircraft and and hurt people. Now the one thing that w- we also need to mention when we're talking severe turbulence is if you know about severe turbulence, there's something you need to do and that's slow down. You want to slow to say your maneuvering speed mm-hmm. or some books have what's called a turbulent air penetration speed and uh, you know that may be a speed or a Mach number and uh, and it's also you know in your aircraft so you you don't have to worry about overstressing the aircraft. Um, there's a lot of articles that say that severe turbulence you know is not turbulence in general really doesn't affect planes that much and and yes that's true on um, aggregately we're looking at it we're, we're saying to ourselves yeah it doesn't affect most aircraft but it can i mean obviously when we know we're going into an area that's really severe turbulence or any type of turbulence we slow down the other point is that if an aircraft reports moderate turbulence then they actually you have to look at the type of aircraft so as 747 reports moderate turbulence right. your 172 is probably going to be severe or possibly extreme mm-hmm. turbulence so that's important to know and just you know just as a summary I'm I'm putting this out there for our folks our listeners is that you really have to be careful that you don't uh, fly into severe turbulence and if you do get caught in it to make sure you're at your maneuvering speed or your turbulent air penetration speed. Now, we've been talking about this word severe turbulence, and there are some definitions, but just basically if if you are thrown about violently, violently thrown about, uh, maybe against your seatbelt or things that are in the cabin that aren't secured are thrown about, and that would be severe turbulence. Moderate, though, is turbulence that you feel when there's strains against seatbelts. And you're, say you have unsecured objects, they'll move around, like your cup will move around. So I like to think of it as your coffee cup is moving a little bit. That's moderate. When your coffee cup sprays over the guy next to you, that's severe. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Oops. Sorry. Ouch. And that and and that's just a quick summary of that whole the severe turbulence and 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 being careful with turbulence. It can happen with wind shear. It can happen uh, because of mechanical uh, type of turbulence near the ground, which causes severe uh, turbulence. And if it's on a really really windy day, going through mountain passages and uh, lenticular clouds, everything. We're we're there's so many different ways that we can experience severe turbulence that we do have to always be careful and and of course just be vigilant and try to try not to fly in those areas. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I, I think well one little thing I think I remember hearing about uh, besides slowing to you know maneuvering speed or or or, or slower um, is um, is turning off autopilots in in terms of mm-hmm. GA airplanes. Is that is that 
what you guys believe to be true? Well, but, I like to turn it off because it, it might fail. And well, I, I know. once it fails, oh, can't I use, go ahead. But I just mean if, if yeah. you're relying on it and suddenly there's turbulence, I, I, I switch it off because it seems to me I, I don't want it correcting around that turbulence, right. yes. I think. Yeah, and if you're unable to maintain altitude, then it's better to just ride the wave, advise yeah. air traffic control, you need a block of airspace or something, and just kind of ride it up and ride it down. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, sort of similar to what they say if you ever get into a thunderstorm type of thing. If you just can't maintain the altitude, don't don't fight it. You know, though, Rick, the, uh, there are some manuals in certain airlines that do recommend you leave the autopilot on hmm. and make sure you do stay at a certain speed. And that's so there's, uh, I, I think, one of the reasons they're saying that is normally it'll try to hold your wings level right and the autopilot and di different autopilots every autopilot is different and you know one will have a, a alpha mode where it will try to keep the wings level which is what you want to do in a turbulent situation and take you know the ups and downs and the changes in altitude so that all i'd have to say that depends but yeah i think for the most part you probably would want to in most aircraft uh, take the autopilot off. I'd be curious to see. I don't know much about the newer autopilots and general aviation aircraft. I'd, I'd be curious to see how they handle turbulence. Mm. I'd be need to need to find that out. I'd really, if anybody knows that information, that'd be cool to pass along to us. Carl, if I'm disoriented or I just for some reason forget what that maneuvering speed or turbulent air penetration speed is, where can I find that quick reference in my flight in the cockpit? Well, it's actually, it should be there placarded. That's and, right. Uh, it should be right there. And depending on your aircraft, it should be right there placarded. And mm -hmm. uh, if not, just pull, it, pull out your aircraft manual I, and you I, can see it in there. Nah, yeah, I believe that's why I asked you. Because if I've recognized it to be true, it's it's something that's always placarded. I have no. The, the thing with that, the maneuvering speed, though, is that it'll give you the maneuvering speeds for different weights. This is true. You kind of have to you know, interpolate that. You know, we're lucky that on our airplane, it, it does it automatically based on our weight and accelerometers. But, you know, most aircraft don't have that. Mm -hmm. So we're like, hmm, you know, what is, what is my, you know, speed that I need to slow down to? And just remember, if you're slower, excuse me, if you're lighter, you, your airspeed needs to be slower. Correct. Yeah, you know, for maneuvering, because of course you can overstress the aircraft much easier. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, it's going to stall at slower speed, and you're going to actually overstress the aircraft if you don't slow down. You want it to stall in severe turbulence. Yeah, yeah that's no bueno. You don't want to stress it. We no, had no I, bueno. I was on a flight that was delayed because it came inbound and experienced turbulence, and maintenance was doing an inspection. And uh, this this stuff happens a lot out there every day fine line oh yeah yeah it really does and and you know that and that's something you know, I, I hate to scare people you know and, and just but the thing is there's a reason why they tell you to keep your seatbelt fast and i know this is not an airline show in particular but you know we really stress to people when you're sitting down keep that seatbelt fastened because you never know what might happen mm -hmm. and uh you know you don't want to get tossed about we you and i both know people that have been uh, you know, hit the ceiling. I have a friend that hit the ceiling, was passed out, was injured on on her way up when she hit the ceiling, and injured again on her way down when she hit the side of the seat. Mm -hmm. You hear of people getting their ankles hit against parts, say, from in the aisle. And I have a friend of mine, and you may know too, that actually she broke one of her vertebrae, and uh, luckily it was just a slight fracture, but uh, and she wasn't paralyzed or anything. So yeah, this this it can really toss you around violently. I worry about it when I'm going to the lavatory because this, this is oh, about yeah. a hundred 
um, let's see, about a, anywhere from, yeah, it's about 100 feet long to get to the front of the airplane to the back. Well, not necessarily, but the lavatory is a little closer up. So I just actually something I worry about when I'm going back and forth in the cabin in flight. And it's I, luckily I've been very fortunate where that hasn't happened. But there's times when I know not to get up and use the restroom in the airplane because it's nasty outside. It's unpredictable. So, Len, on on the similar topic, now that you're going to the lab, what do do you look at the passengers now and feel like they're looking at you? Like, is this person crazy? <laughs> yeah, are you starting to worry about that at all? I had a first experience today, and I said to myself, you know, what are those people thinking? I'm thinking, you know, are they do they think I'm normal? And I'm just I started thinking about this. Like, oh my gosh, you know that that could, you know, say I. I Start acting erratically. Will these people start jumping up to? Yeah, I don't know. Sure I well, they always stare. They they always stare at you. Oh yeah, they're yeah. curious what what it is. I don't know if they're just curious about the what what you're doing or how how it happens or may. I think everybody's more vigilant of all kinds of things: terrorist threats, crazy pilots from JetBlue, whatever you want to say. But uh, you know, <laughs> you know, you know what I hear the most when I go back. Now I'm who's I'm, flying uh, the airplane? Well, not just that. <laughs> The flight about this. I'm, I'm actually uh, I'm somewhat senior looking, and uh, so when I walk back, you know, my gray hair, and they see some really young guy up there. <laughs> I I hear this so many times, and it's like, are you gonna? Is Junior up there flying? I'm like, oh my <laughs> god, how do you respond to that? <laughs> you mean no, the qualified pilot? No, he was sleeping. Actually, <laughs> he was taking a nap when I. <laughs> oh, I I can't tell you how many times I've heard that because we have a lot of new young pilots now. And uh, I'll hear that every so often. It's like, oh my gosh, is Junior up there flying? Oh boy! Okay. And it's like, yeah, they're qualified. Come on, they're pilots. <laughs> but, uh, yes, cool. yes, they are. But anyway, so that that's uh, a wrap up. Is again uh, severe turbulence. I'm going to put a little blog post out, out there about how to avoid it. Avoid thunderstorms. Avoid uh, any type of uh, severe wind shears. And uh, get, go out there and look for pilot reports. I love pilot reports because that's really where I find out about it. Yeah. And thought like Rick said, uh, Carl said, check out this, the type of aircraft. That's definitely one of the most important things after you see the uh, the intensity as what kind of airport report aircraft reported it. So mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, and you were on, gosh, you've been on the news a lot this week. Fox News, TV, all kinds of interviews, man. You are a hotshot superstar down there in Tampa Bay. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I got that gig. It looks like they, they've been using me quite a bit for uh, any of those issues. Like, and, But there's a lot of things that have been going on, too. I mean, it's it's pretty interesting. The, uh, and the perceptions of people, and hopefully that w- what I'm doing there will help people understand better what is going on there in the, in the aviation world, because a lot of the terms that the news media have used in the past don't make any sense, or their reporting doesn't make sense, I, I should say. You know, the worst I ever saw was you know, 172 overtook a 727. I was like, hmm, how does that happen? You know, and uh, but no, <laughs> I, it's been it's it's good that they're actually reaching out, though. I think uh, news media is starting to say, hey, we've really got to report on these issues and and try to find somebody who does know what they're talking about and and isn't going to embellish the story and just give us right. the facts, that type of thing. Sure. But, uh, well, yeah. I, would, I wasn't jealous that you were on TV. I was jealous that you were hanging out with Anthony Sullivan. Oh my gosh! You guys know yeah. Victoria Rick. You know who Anthony Sullivan is? <laughs> no, no, I don't. He was, yeah. he was on the Discovery Show Pitchmen with Billy Mays. Oh, okay. yeah. So Carl's hanging out in the green room or the blue room or the black room, whatever yeah. color yeah. you call. It. <laughs> yeah, Harry yeah, Winkle. 
before the show and uh i was like no way you met anthony sullivan oh he's like yeah i met that i was on i was in the room with that oxygen guy what's his name i was like no it's not billy mace he's dead he's like no the other guy the uh the, skinny guy yeah the skinny guy yeah he was really skinny and i, I tell you i was actually it was funny on that one i i got a little nervous because they put me on the news desk i haven't been on the news desk before and that that was a little bit different but uh, he big time and superstar. oh my gosh a super duper star right <laughs> Oh, wow. Uh, gosh, so much so much fun stuff tonight. Our picks of the week. But we are running a little long, so we'll wrap up the uh, the topic part of the show and head on over to our picks of the week. I believe, Victoria, that uh, you shared the majority of yours, correct? Well, um, I have two things I can mention really quick. Rapid fire. Um, Go. If you're ready to take your dog out for a $100 hand or a quick uh, vacation, there's two places I would check out for some dog-friendly vacation information. There's Pet Friendly... Oh, gosh, Len, you've given me that disease. Um, <laughs> that silly pet, tongue twister. <laughs> I know. PetFriendlyTravel.com and then DogFriendly.com. And um, each site has several search options. Um, you can immediately check out a list of pet-friendly beaches, hiking, um, hotels and so on. So check those out if you're going to be flying with your dog anytime soon. Well, I'm going to put in a shameless plug then for my parents' restaurant in Merrimack, New Hampshire, Axel's Food and Ice Cream. If you take your dog there, they'll get a doggy Sunday. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah. Merrimack, what is a doggy Sunday? Doggy Sunday is a, is a vanilla soft serve with a dog treat on top. Oh, cool. Nice. Come on, one. If you go to axelsfoodandicecream.com or their Facebook page, you can see the pictures of the t- of all the dogs in their doggy Sundays. <laughs> hey, I used to bring my dog to the ice cream shop with me. He loved it. <laughs> oh, cool. Um, uh, Carl, tell us. Yours is, again, pet-related. Tell us about your pick of the week. Yeah, this is actually probably one of my, my favorite uh, pet uh, charities. It's called Pilots and Paws. You can find them at pilotsandpaws.com. Basically, what they do is they supplies of these animals that may be euthanized and, or animals that want to be uh, adopted, and they'll put together a network of pilots that donate their aircraft and time to fly them from point A to point B. Now, if you want to volunteer, you don't have to fly very far. What they'll do is they'll say, I, need, I have someone in Memphis that has to get to Miami or a pet, and we have somebody interested in adopting this pet in Memphis. And what they'll do is they'll put it on this board on a form on the website and you join this group and and they will actually put together a whole flight of all these different people that will volunteer. Sometimes it'll be one person saying, hey, I'll fly them all there. And and this is, you know, where I really got interested in this was actually at uh, in Frederick at Women Fly Fort. You know, that that event there that Victoria that you helped out with and or organized, um, they were there, Piles and Paws. And. You know, I had all these questions like, what do, what do you do with the, the animal? You put them in a cage. And the one guy said, no, I never do. I keep them with me. And, and if you're going to do your first flight, make sure you're with somebody. But all that information, he said, you can find right here on the website. And the really cool thing that I really like about this website, and my favorite, favorite part of this, is that they track all these animals that are saved. They have pictures and they have stories and they have lots of them. So they're doing a lot of good. They're saving animals and uh, they're saving them by moving them to different areas where they won't be euthanized and to people's homes. So pilotsandpaws.org, check it out. 
Yeah, we found out from uh, from our friend over at theavpad.com that he, he was telling us about snakes. So he, they've done snake transports, and we joked, like, it's like so you really had snakes on a plane. Funny. That's I, It's not just a silly movie. <laughs> this, and and not, not a horror story in AOPA magazine either. They're actually intentionally transporting snakes. That's so cool. Uh, Rick, tell us about your pick of the week. Yeah, mine is, um, you know, related to the the discussion earlier about uh, Terrafugia and the transition. Real quick thing, and, and it's also sort of something that I wish, I'm jealous, I wish I was doing it. It's a website called flyingcarfilm.com, and basically these guys, and, and men and women, are uh, sort of the official movie-making team documenting the creation of this vehicle, and... Um, and it's pretty, it's exciting. And so they, the website is flyingcarfilm.com and uh, uh, they've got some clips there. And I think they're, they're up on various things like YouTube, whatever. The other thing that's interesting is they are a Kickstarter project. So you can mm. click on a link and, and at various degrees of donation, you get stuff, you get, you know, signed, you know, whatever it is, a, a, a copy of the downloadable, you know, copy of the film when it's done and all the stuff, you know, it's a standard Kickstarter arrangement. The more you pay, the more you get to tap into. And I think they've just launched that. So uh, check them out. If you go to flyingcarfilm.com, you can see all that stuff. I'm not affiliated with them and I'm jealous. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Sort of tying in, this is uh, my pick of the week, kind of tying into to Carl's with volunteering. When we were down in Sun and Fun, I had the opportunity to interview some really cool folks at Patient Airlift Services, also known as PALS. Uh, you may have heard of Angel Flight, and they're they're kind of similar, but with a little bit of a different business model. They're more of a national organization, so they don't have regions such as uh, Angel Flight has different regions. And uh, Patient Airlift Services is, uh, they do medical missions, compassion missions, humanitarian missions, and it's not, you know, it's not an air ambulance, but it's, it's basically volunteer pilots and, and volunteer aircraft transporting medical uh, people who are in need of medical attention. Now, why I say it's not air ambulance, because anybody who, who's being transported using Patient Airlift Services must be medically stable ambulatory and able to sit upright in a general aviation aircraft seat and they also must be able to get in and out of the aircraft with limited assistance so i had spoken with actually one of the volunteer pilots and a chairman of the organization joe howley again going back to the beginning of the show if you go to stuckmikeavcast.com forward slash audio forward slash snf you'll see the interview there you can learn more about the organization they're based up in long island in farmingdale new york I actually signed up to be a volunteer pilot. Um, I have there's a couple of steps that you have to go through, attending a webinar and some other things. But it's such a cool organization. I'm really excited to have the opportunity to fly with them. And uh, the website where you can get more information on the on the organization as well as sign up is www.palservices.org, and that's Patient Airlift Services, arranging free air. Uh, arranging free air transportation for patients in need of medical diagnosis or treatment. Very cool, cool. Uh, very cool guys. Very passionate about helping folks, and it, it was just the interview is worth it. Go to the web, go to the Stuck Mike Avcast link I was talking about. Listen to it. They're just they're a really cool group of folks. So great. The after landing checklist. Um, Victoria, tell us how folks can get in touch with you. Uh, you can check out all my contact info on toriaflies.blogspot.com. All right, Rick. Uh, rotationspeed.com, R. Felty on Twitter, and R. D. Felty at YouTube. Carl. 
You can find me at expertaviator.com on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. I'm thepilotreport.com, same on Twitter and Facebook. The, uh, stu- the Stuck Mike Avcast is available, stuckmikeavcast.com, also on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes. Download our mobile application in the App Store for Apple or the Android Marketplace. It is free. You can get all the information for all of our all of the uh, co-hosts, our Facebook page. Listen to the episodes right there. It's very cool. I suggest you check it out. Again, it's free. That's our mobile application. And uh, once again, from myself, Len Costa, Carvalari, Victoria Newville, and Rick Feldy, thank you all for tuning in to episode 22 of the Stuck Mike Avcast. We all wish you guys clear skies and calm winds. Toorulurulura. Good show. I thought. Yeah, that was fun. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Abcast is an aviation podcast brought to you by thepilotreport.com, a Len Costa production.